working. God meant to give the nation of Israel hope through this passage, and I think that he gives us hope as well. You know, there are going to be times in our life when we really need an encouraging message. Life is not always up. There are going to be times in our life when uh, we really can't figure out how our situation is going to get better. There are going to be times in life when we're going to have health problems. There are going to be times in life when some of us may experience financial problems. There are going to be times when, as a nation, we're going to be going something such as a, a recession they're going to, or a pandemic. There are just going to be times in life where things really look dark. And sometimes we, we look at our life in that moment and we can't really figure out the next step or where it's going or how to get out of that. It can be a time of deep despair. And so you might be there today or, or you might be going to be going through that 10 years from now. Either way, I want to help you through it because you see, God is our hope. God is our hope. And let me, let me explain to you what that means as we walk through this passage. You see, God called up this man, Ezekiel, to be a prophet at a time when the nation of Israel was suffering immensely. They were suffering because they had been taken captive and carried off to a foreign land. Now, here's, this should encourage you as well. They were suffering because of their own sin and rebellion. This was a problem that they had created. And so, in the midst of the problem that they had created, God still wanted to intervene in their life and to give them hope. Have you ever heard this expression before? People will say, well, you make your bed and then you have to lie in it. You ever heard that before? It means that you create a situation and then you have to deal with the own situation that you created. And so, sometimes we see people experiencing problems, maybe their whole life they've lived way beyond their means and so now they're broke and somebody will say well they made their bed now they have to lie in it or somebody will do something in their marriage that they really shouldn't have done creates all kinds of problems and then somebody say well they made their bed and now they have to lie in it and that statement really speaks i think to our desire for justice right because it it just sounds fair that if you create all these problems for yourself well then you know that now you have all these problems because you created them the problem is, is that if you're not very careful when you say that, you sound uh, very self-righteous and condemning. You see, the passage today teaches us not that when you make your own bed, you have to lay in it, but that when you make your own bed, even then, God is able to get you out of it, and he has enough grace and mercy that he wants to if you'll turn to him and hope. Isn't that encouraging? And God's just not a deliverer of things beyond our control. He's things, uh, even a deliverer of things that's of our own creation. And so God raised up this man, Ezekiel, to preach to the people and to give them hope. And in the passage we're looking at today, it's where God gave him a vision. And, and this vision was to, to, to teach something about what God wanted to do in Israel. And applies to us today because, you see, as we read the Bible, we find God's consistent throughout. And just as God had mercy for those people, he's got mercy for us too. Just as God wanted to intervene in their lives, he wants to intervene in ours too. And he is, he is capable. Hey, have you ever wanted to help somebody, but you just didn't know how? You, you saw your kids, and they're they making really bad choices, and you really want to intervene, but you just, the more you try to intervene, the worse things got. You knew somebody's really sick, you loved with all your heart, but you just didn't have the power to heal them. There's times in life when we want to help people, but we just can't. This is the great thing about God, he can. 
He not only wants to intervene in our life, but he can intervene in our life. He has the power, the ability to do things that we, that we can't do. So Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. So because we believe the Bible is a word from God, would you just stand with me as we read our passage today? Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. This is the vision, as Ezekiel tells us, that God gave him. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones have dried up, and our hope is lost, and we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Let's pray together. God, help us to know today what this vision means for us in this moment. I pray that like Ezekiel, who had the faith to prophesy even to dry bones just because you told him, God, may we believe and trust in you. I pray for the person that's either present today in the sanctuary or listening by broadcast that feels like there's no hope for them. God, today, may they make you their hope. Help us to believe in what we cannot see so that we might receive all that you have for us. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
Well, only God can raise the dead. In fact, there's a lot of things that only God can do. And there are going to be times in our life when we need things that only God can do. And that's part of this vision as we see these dry bones. You see, sometimes our world seems hopeless. As this vision opens, Ezekiel goes down to this valley, and the Bible says there's just dry bones. Now, they're not, they're not in graves. They're just laying on the ground. So, so the, the picture here is of uh, a battlefield. If you can imagine, uh, thousands of people slaughtered, bodies just left, no one buried. Eventually, they just decay, and nothing is left but bones. And the Bible says in this case, they are, they are dry bones. They've been there a long time. That's the point. And what rational person would look at all those dry bones and think that life could be in them? But yet, God shows Ezekiel that even in the most impossible situation, he is still able to keep his, his promise. You see, the nation of Israel, uh, they, they had gone through battle, and they had lost. And some of them had been slaughtered, and others had been taken off into captivity. It looked pretty dire for a group of people that God had promised that he was going to raise them up into a special people, give them the promised land, and raise up an eternal dynasty. And here they are with no land, no king, and it looks like no future. It was pretty hopeless. But God had made a promise. And this is the thing about God. He not only wants to keep his promise, he is able to keep his promise. And so whenever we find ourselves in a situation where we can't see any way out of, we just really need to ask ourselves, first of all, are, are, we, in, are we in the will of God pursuing it? Because if we are, then we have all the hope in the world. You see, only God can raise the dead. Only God can intervene in many areas of our life. And when we find ourselves in pain and despair, that's the first thing that we need to remember, that God is the only one that can ultimately help us, get us through it, and restore us. And so verse 3, listen to what he says. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know, you know. Ezekiel realized that the Lord was the only one that knew the future, the only one that knew what could happen there. How many of you here today have uh, some kind of insurance? You got car insurance, house insurance, life insurance? Yeah, probably most of you. Uh, I know some of you just don't want to raise your hands, and some of you, somebody provides it for you. But we've almost all got insurance, don't we? You know why we have insurance? We've come to realize we can't control things. No, no, nobody plans to have a car wreck, but we know it can happen, right? So we get insurance for that. No one plans for their house to be blown away in a tornado or burned down by fire. But we know it can happen. And so that's why we pay that big premium every month is because we know we can't control things. So we're, so we're trying to, to get some kind of security. That's why we have health insurance. Nobody wants to be sick, but we know it's going to happen. And so we get insurance because we're, we're not in control of anything. And so in this moment, the Lord says to Ezekiel, he says, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel says, Lord, you know, he's the only one that knows too. There are going to be times in our life when we can't really figure out what God's doing. But if we're following him, we always have reason to hope. Because he has the ability to do things in our life that nobody else can do. He can solve problems, fix situations, mend relationships, change hearts. God can do things that people cannot do. 
And so in this moment in the Valley of Dry Bones, the Lord says, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, oh, Lord, you know. The Lord God, he can bring life even when it appears that, that all hope is lost. And so verse 4, he says, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And so God tells Ezekiel to, that he's going to prophesy over these bones, and God's saying what he's going to do. He's going to bring them to life. Now, this is not about bones, but we'll, we'll get there in a moment, what God is talking about. But first, I want you to notice something. God holds the power, but he uses us to convey the message. That's true with Ezekiel and this vision. And it's true all throughout the Bible. So notice what happens here. Verse 7, he says, So I prophesy as I was commanded. So, so notice that he didn't choose to be a prophet. God called him, commanded him. He says, I prophesied as I was commanded. He didn't develop the message of the prophecy. He just said what the Lord told him to say. So Ezekiel is God's faithful servant and messenger. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And so whenever Ezekiel begins to do what God calls him to do, he's able to join his God in his life-giving work. And the, the same is true about us today. God has a plan to save people's lives. But he uses us as his messengers. Sometimes he, like Ezekiel, he calls people to do this full-time in their life, to be missionaries or to be pastors. But whether missionary or pastor, he calls all of us to be ambassadors. We can speak for God in Sunday school and in our home and at work. God uses us to communicate the message of life. But notice what happens as Ezekiel begins to prophesy, he says in verse 8, And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh upon them, and skin had covered them. But listen, but there was no breath in them. It's a process. It's a process. God told Ezekiel to prophesy, but the bones didn't immediately come to life. At this point, they're just, they're just dead corpses. There's bones, and there's sinews, and there's flesh, but there's no breath. And yet Ezekiel's done exactly what God has called him to do. But has God failed Ezekiel? No, he's just not done yet. It's a, it's a process. The Bible tells us in the New Testament about uh, some, some conflict that was happening in the church at Corinth. And in the process of dealing with that, Paul reveals something to us that's very important about understanding about how God works. In Paul was a missionary, and Paul went a lot of areas where the gospel had not been preached, and he started churches. And then there were other pastors that came along and led, and other preachers that taught people. And one of these preachers, this guy's name was Apollos. And from what we know in the New Testament, apparently, he was an extraordinary preacher. He's a very gifted speaker, and people loved Apollos. And Paul had been the one that had kind of started the work, and then Paulus came along after that, and he began preaching really well in the way that they liked it, and uh, they didn't really care for Paul's preaching, and so some people got into camps. And so Paul had his supporters, and Apollos had their supporters. 
and I don't know if you've ever, if you've been in church for a while, but, you know, sometimes uh, uh, people kind of get behind preachers and kind of root, you know, and, and so that's why, I mean, that's why I'm boring and overweight. It's a strategic. I don't want anybody to fall in love with me and get distracted, right? So I don't want any fans, okay? So this is all for your benefit. It's, in, it's intentional. It's intentional. So Paul's got his fans. Apollos has got his fans. And here's what Paul says. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Now listen to this. I planted, so Paul had a role in initiating it. Apollos watered, so Apollos had a role in continuing the work. But God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Ezekiel did exactly what God called him to do. He said exactly what God told him to say, and yet still he just had a bunch of corpses. There was no breath in them because God wasn't done yet. It's a process. It should teach us to trust God and to be persistent. Sometimes we do the work of planting. Sometimes we do the work of sowing. And sometimes we do the work of harvesting. But it is never our success. It is God who does everything. So Ezekiel prophesies, the bones come together, the flesh comes upon them, but there's no breath. And so then in verse 9, notice this. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. So we, at each stage of growth here, God still uses us to speak life into people. God could have said, great job, Ezekiel. A lot of people would have failed that test. There's a lot of preachers that I could have said prophesy to those dead bones, and they would say, Lord, dead bones can't live. Great job, Ezekiel. I'll take it from here. But he doesn't. He says prophesy to the bones, and he does. And the bones come together, and sinews grow on them and flesh, but there's still no breath. And then what does God do? He does the, he does the same thing that he does over and over again throughout Scripture. He once again sends a person with a message to be his ambassador. He says, now, Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. At each stage, God is using someone to be his ambassador, to speak life. And when we're obedient, sometimes we get to see God use us in great ways. So Ezekiel, verse 10 of 37, he says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. What a vision that Ezekiel got to see. But the Bible says this was not about bones. In verse 11, we see what it's about. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. There are going to be times in life when we feel hopeless, and that's where Israel was. 
they had rebelled against the Lord. The Lord sent providence, said, if you don't change, same thing's going to happen to you. They happened to the northern kingdom. They had the northern kingdom been carried off by the Assyrians. The southern kingdom be carried off by the Babylonians. The people didn't listen. They just continued in their rebellion. So God dealt with them. Now, exactly what God told them through the prophets was going to happen has happened. And so now they're living in a foreign land. They're living in occupation and oppression. And God, who promised he was going to give them this land and going to establish an eternal dynasty to whom the Messiah would come, now, now they don't have the land, they don't have the dynasty. They're living in captivity, and they say our bones are dried up. They're saying that it's hopeless. There is no hope. But they lost sight of the fact that their hope was the Lord. The Lord. God can do things that you can't do. He can do things that you can't figure out. He can do things that you can't even imagine. And friends, everything can change in a moment, good or bad. I hear so many people talk about the church in America today. And there's, people aren't interested in church. There's so few people in church. And uh, so it's just everywhere. I, I'm telling you that our hope is not in church attendance or buildings or budgets or anything like that. Our hope is in the Lord. Look at, what, look at what happened at Asbury when one young man confessed his sin and another group stayed and it broke out in a revival. They saw 100,000 people visit that campus seeking the Lord. And, I, I've, and I've heard all the critics saying, well, this person's not got orthodox theology and he attended the service. And I, I've, I've heard all of that. And I, I just, all I can, if you see that on social media, all I can say is if you can't celebrate about people seeking the Lord, whether they fully understand it or not, there's just something wrong with your heart. I, mean, I just praise God that people were seeking the Lord. And God can bring that about at any time. He can, he can give life to dry bones. He can bring about revival and renewal. He can restore people's spiritual verbiage. He can bring people from spiritual death into spiritual life. And so even, even when our pain and suffering is self-inflicted, God's grace still remains greater than our sin. And that was the case with Israel. God's grace was greater than their sin. And so he says in verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and, ra and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Don't, don't, mis don't misapply this. Uh, th this doesn't mean that, that, uh, that if you have cancer today, uh, tomorrow you can be cancer-free if you just trust God. God's able to do that. Sometimes he does. He heals people. But, but this is not an individual promise that anything that we ever deal with, all we got to do is ask God and it's just going to go away. That's not what this passage is about. This is about trusting God and believing in the future that we have in him. You see, some of the people that were carried off in captivity, that individually they didn't get to go back. They would die in captivity. But God was going to keep his promise and he was going to bring the nation of Israel back because God was going to use them to give you and I hope. It was through them that he would keep his promise and send his son, Jesus, who would die on the cross. And so whether you get to see it or be a part of the individual fulfillment of it, if you put your faith 
and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never be disappointed. God will continue the work that he began in you. And even if you don't get to see the exact fruit of it, you get to be a part of what God is doing in the world. That's something to think about, isn't it? Like, if we said, now I know there's a lot of people that love the church with all their heart. There's people that have been here since uh, 1954 when the building was built and are just deeply, deeply dedicated to it. I said something earlier this year uh, to a, a, a member, and, and I just, you know, I don't always know everybody's history. And I said, yeah, I said, well, I said we, got, we got people that have been a member of this church for 50 years. And he looked at me and he says, well, you got one right here who's been a member for 70 years. I said, okay. <laughs> I said, There's a lot of people who have been here for a long time. Love this church dearly. If we said, if we do this, Tomorrow, we're going to see this great move of God. The whole place is going to be full. We're going to see people from all of our community coming and, and seeking the Lord. I mean, mo most of us would say, Pastor, sign me up. It's what's it going to cost? What do I have to do? What would make that happen? But what if I said the Lord told us that, that if we do this, we're going to see a great move of God, but it's not going to happen in our lifetime. We're not going to get to see it, the fruit of it. Would we still... Say, sign me up. What's it going to cost? What do I need to do? Uh, I got um, uh, my oldest daughter who's uh, running the sound, doing a great job there, graduated from Liberty University. And I got one that's there now, and I got one that's headed uh, there this fall. So we should have bought stock early on, but we didn't have that foresight. Uh, so three students uh, up there involved in Liberty. And one of the amazing things, a lot of people don't know this story, but Jerry Falwell founded that university back in 1971. And when Jerry Falwell was a young man and uh, Liberty was just really mostly a dream and uh, nothing had happened, uh, he believed God was calling him to do that. And so here's one of the things he did. He purchased uh, millions of dollars in life insurance. Now, if you know how that works, when you're older, life insurance is incredibly expensive. If you're 70 and you want a million-dollar policy, it's going to cost you about a million and a half dollars or whatever. It's expensive when you're old. But when you're young, if you're willing to pay that premium your whole life, it's pretty affordable. And so that's what he did. He bought millions of dollars in life insurance, and he willed it to the school so that when he died, his hope would be that all the debt of the school would be paid off. I, I saw him at Southern Baptist Convention just, just a few years before he died, and, and uh, he, he, he uh, always had a big vision. And uh, he was there speaking at the convention, and he was talking about that it was his goal that one day, one day, they wanted to have 25,000 students at Liberty. And everybody just kind of looked around and smiled, and you're like, well, you know, Jerry, that's, that's a big goal, you know, I mean, you You've done really good. Probably a good thing just to celebrate, you know, what all the good's happened and just kind of settle with that, you know. Maybe. I mean, 25000 a lot. Is for a private Christian school that has no government funding, that's, that's a really big goal. But you know what happened when he died and, and all that life insurance went to the school? They paid off everything. And maybe there's somebody here today that, you know, you've kind of went through that stage in life when, when you get out of debt and you don't have, you know, two car payments, a house payment, a credit card, and whatever else, and all of a sudden you don't have bills, and it's just a game changer. It's what happened for the school. All of a sudden they paid off everything. They didn't have any debt. They didn't owe anybody anything. They had all kinds of money. And, and 
instead of 25,000 students, to today they have over 100,000 students. But not during his lifetime. He spent his whole life paying those premiums, pouring his life into, to something that he would never see, at least not on this earth. Ezekiel prophesied to these people that God would raise those dry bones. That they weren't dried up and their hope wasn't lost. Now some of them were not going to get to see it. Not all of them would individually go back to Israel. But God would bring the people back. And he would send the Messiah. And he prophesied here about raising these. He said, I'll open the graves and raise the dead. Only God can do that. Whenever you see people's lives radically changed, only God can do that. It's evidence that God's at work. We've seen some pretty amazing things just the last few months in our church. Listen to what the Bible says. Not just about the resurrection of Israel out of captivity, but about Jesus. Matthew 11, verses 4 through 5, here's what it says. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John. That's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was this great prophet. Uh, he was job was to prepare the way for the Messiah. But when he got arrested and knew he was going to be killed, he had some doubts. He sent his disciples. He said, go and ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? So Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Leopards are cleansed. The deaf hear. And listen to this. And the dead are raised. Only God can do that. Now, by the way, the things in those lists correspond to the Old Testament prophecy about what the Messiah would do. In Romans chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And he was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Here's what that means. It means that if you had any doubt about who Jesus was, when the Spirit raised him from the dead, that's how we know for sure that he was the Son of God. Only God can raise the dead. Only God can intervene in your life. And only God can keep the promises that are before us. I tell you, there, there may be times when it gets discouraging. You think all hope is lost. There may be time when you're the only person in your family that's still holding on to faith in Christ. And, and, and everybody else is abandoning them. Uh, th there may come a time when uh, the church dwindles down to just a few people. I, I, I don't have any idea what God's specific plan is for this specific local church. But I can tell you this, I know what his plan is for your life, and it's to give you eternal life. And someday when you become, if you get to live to be an old age and you become sick and death is imminent, that won't be anything to mourn if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our hope's not in this world. That's why so many people are confused and discouraged. They're looking at the wrong thing. Our hope's not in this world. God is going to keep his promise. He's going to give us life. One day he's literally going to raise us from the dead as the bodies are resurrected and souls reunited and we receive a resurrected body like Christ. So don't put your faith in money. You can lose it. There's problems they can't fix. Don't put your faith in fitness and health. You can't keep that forever. Don't put your faith in status. You'll lose it eventually. Don't put your faith in people. Because the best of them still have a sinful nature. 
you put your faith in God, he will never let you down. He loves you beyond your understanding. And he has a plan for your life. And it may not go the way that you want it to. But I promise you this, if you trust him, it'll end up better than anything you could have imagined. And that's the message of the Valley of Dry Bones. That when it seems there's no hope, God is our hope. Let's pray together. Father, we give thanks today that you love us and that you give us hope. I pray for the person today that's just deeply discouraged, confused, hurting. God, I pray that they turn to you. I pray as your people, you'd help us when when we can't see how you're going to fulfill your promises to believe that you will because of who you are. God, may our trust be solely in you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to close with a song. And and here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to respond to the Lord during this song. The reason that we hear from God is so that we can answer him. And God wants us to answer him in faith and in obedience. And I'm telling you, God wants to do something with your life. And it's a lot bigger than than even this earth. He wants to do something with your life that's eternal. And maybe you're here today and and, and you're going through divorce. Maybe you just don't know how you're going to pay your bills. Nobody knows you're broke. Maybe you're here today and uh, you're sick. And you know you just got a uh, a limited amount of time left. You're just discouraged. You feel defeated. I'm telling you. You have reason to have hope, and his name is Jesus. He has the power to give you life. You see, when he came, he died on the cross so that you could be forgiven. He paid for sin that you've committed, sin that he never committed. He was without sin. That's what's significant about his death. He's able to stand in our place. And so today, if you were to believe that, you could receive the gift of forgiveness. And God would give you hope. And God would give you purpose. But it's up to you. He just offers the gift. You have to receive it by faith. Maybe you're here today and you, you know that you're saved. But different things just keep happening in your life. You have trouble with your kids. You have trouble with your health. Whatever it might be. And, and there's all these things in life that are just bearing down on you and distracting you. You know, we need to be reminded to, to once again put our full trust in the Lord. So... Here's a verse that you could claim today. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. If that's you today, you know you're saved, but all these other things are just weighing you down. When we sing, would you just pray and say, Lord, I I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I know you've got me because I'm yours. It's something you can pray by faith. And it's real. It's not positive thinking. It's not high in the sky wish it's reality because not god not only wants to help you he's able so as we stand and we sing i invite you to respond to the lord let's stand together